0: It is it is fun to start with the. It, it, so far, it seems to be our style to be like, "Oh shit, we're recording." Okay, mm. <laughs> so we just got done describing the landscape that Deddy um, came into, the Native American, the kind of kind of relationship where you're adversarial with the local tribes, but at the same time, you're watching an extermination campaign be held against them. So you're, you're witnessing it, the genocide, as it's happening. And it's not like the Nazis, the same way where they just do it off screen, right? Like the, the big part of how they try to institute their thing is we get the Jews out of the city and then there won't be, nobody will think about it. With the natives, you're occupying their territory. So everyone knows about the soldier movements or whatever. So it's very visible what's going on. That, that was the main point I wanted to kind of get there. So you have these white colonist settlers and then they, they're also aware of their own history, right? So you're aware that you've violated treaties in the past and whatnot. And uh, rather, reading again from the Wikipedia of Mr. Deddy, Deddy was elected to the Oregon Territorial Legislation in 1850, where he represented Yamhill County as a Democrat in the lower House of Representatives. Quick side note, the 1850 Democrats... Are worse than the 1990 Republicans, than the 2020 Republicans. They're the party of slavery. They're the the party that they're the first political, like not first, but they're they're operating as a political machine, uh, and the Whigs aren't operating the same way. the The rival party, and I don't know where they stand, left wing and right wing. We can do that, like kind of in a different episode, but. The point is, they are what you and I would distinctly consider the bad guys. Like, nowadays, we just consider the Democrats as not our allies, or at least that's what I do, and the Republicans as kind of like the bad guys. Back then, the Whigs were not our allies, and the Democrats were definitely the bad guys. So he attended. And they
1: never changed. Okay.
0: Yeah. No. So
1: in any argument, if someone says the Democrats were the party of slavery, that is true today as well, regardless of any shifts there have been in recent history or even not so recent history. (laughs) I just want to address this fact so the lib cucks will shut up.
0: (laughs) Sorry. All of our listeners so far are pretty pretty well on our end of the political spectrum. So they're either laughing at that or like, what was all the hostility about? Right. Um,
1: I just look at a lot of comment sections. And unfortunately, that creates some anger within me that has to come out.
0: <laughs> so uh, again, reading from his Wikipedia, he attended the session held in Oregon City beginning in December, where he met uh, a number of influential people. He, James... W. Nesmith and Ashell Bush uh, would become influential leaders of the Democratic Party in the Oregon Territory and later the state of Oregon. Deddy was an early member of the Democratic Party in the area. During his initial session in the territorial legislation in 50, 1850, Deddy served on judicial committees and helped draft many of the laws in the territory. Uh, I'm going I'm to come out of the Wikipedia and go into personal research. There's a video you can find, I'll link to it. That is a two hour video about the whole life and times of Matthew Deddy done by, uh, various members of the district attorney and Supreme court. Like he's, he's really, uh, kind of a folk hero to these people because once he shows up in the town that he's in, he just starts going to work and he's consistently writing. So one of the things he's writing is he's writing down laws. Um, Another gross oversimplification time. There's basically two brands of laws that white people follow. Codified laws and common laws. Codified laws are based on following the letter of a code that's been written down. Common laws are based on previous adju- uh, aduc- uh, previous judgments. In our system, which is a common law system, it's not based so much on what's written down as what we've decided after something's happened. That's kind of, incidentally, that's why we have so much trouble uh, uh, punishing police officers for uh, murdering people. Part of the reason it's hard to enforce a law for them is when they go to trial, that becomes the standard for law. And you can't...
1: Yeah, how do you argue with history?
0: Yeah, so in a weird... I just
1: thought it was because a cop's job is really hard and we just need to go easy on him.
0: No, no, it's much more nuanced oh. than that.
1: Uh, sorry, Patrick. No,
0: you're fine. So, but the the deal is, he gets a lot of respect amongst the political class because he is the American Dream. He's risen from first generation immigrant who was taught as a blacksmith to be a lawyer on the West Coast. All right, and he's and he's building up his family as he goes along. Obviously, banging out them kids, banging <laughs> out
1: them kids, baby.
0: And they uh, they consider him the Just, the Justinian of Oregon. Justinian is the guy several centuries after Diocletian who writes down basically all the laws Diocletian came up with. So, so it's it's basically saying he's the dude that wrote down all the laws. So what he would do is he would write. He would even, he would write to, he would subtweet other people's tweets. So he would reply to like a judge's judgment with a counter judgment just to get his name out there. So he would like.
1: He sounds like Ted Cruz.
0: Uh, not dissimilar when Oregon uh comes into the uh, I'm skipping a lot of time here Oregon's first uh ele- not elected a uh, first appointed governor is a guy named Joseph Lane who fought in the Mexican American War and was rewarded with the governorship of the Oregon Territory he nominates Deddy and his friends um to be part of the people that draft the state constitution because specifically of daddy's reputation of a being a hard worker. When he, when he first shows up into town, like he'll start rendering judgments right away. Like he doesn't wait more than a day. He's in town. He's there to do the work. He's not like, cool. I'll get it. Once you guys have a court for me, he rents rooms to uh, adjudicate out adjudicate. I'm not sure. Right. And
1: so, he gets his law degree and just immediately goes to judging. He doesn't really lawyer. Well, he
0: lawyers for a bit, but because there's so few lawyers and he's so good at keeping everything written down, he kind of gets promoted to judge. He gets appointed by a bunch of people, which is actually where I kind of want to go into a digression. Which is, he gets appointed by. Let me.
1: That governor dude, yeah?
0: No. Yeah. Well, he gets appointed through the governor's recommendation so joseph lane is like this guy should be a judge he can totally be a judge and the problem is a problem the supreme court has as we expand westward is they don't want to go there right like they don't want to live in the west they have comfy lives in dc or wherever and so they don't want to go be judges in these places, and this is when the circuit courts first get set up. As judges ride circuits to various locations, Deddy is one of those judges. He gets appointed as a circuit judge from lawyer, and then and he still. I. It looks like he still does some private practice. I'm not. I'm not a Deddy scholar. I was just interested in this. Story. He's not
1: a real Deddy head. Okay. Yeah,
0: and uh, Joseph Lane, uh, who is who Lane County is named after, actually. Um, suggests that he be appointed he gets appointed by franklin pierce uh who's president at the time franklin pierce is notorious for being like one of the worst presidents ever because um like he he lets bloody nebraska happen or bloody kansas happen which is where kind of civil war prequel where we're like oh we're gonna definitely we're willing to kill over the issue of slavery right um and he lets that happen without without intervening, and he does a bunch of other stuff. There's a there's a really fun podcast I recommend called Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, and they had a really good episode on Franklin Pierce. And basically, he's a war vet, and he uh, might have some of that uh, cerebral trauma, like like the the brain aneurysm thing not the aneurysm but the concussion thing so he might have some of that going on he's also a, com- a constant drunk and a month before he's supposed to take office he's in a train accident where he sees his son get decapitated wolf so franklin pierce isn't a good president but he also
1: it has some reasons for but it. Uh,
0: but it also looks like he wasn't on track to be a good guy he was just a war hero but he's part of this contingent of people who believe in this this really fucked up notion of they're pro-slavery because slavery is legal. But they're against the idea of the South seceding because it's illegal. Mm. And what this comes about from is when we were talking at the start about how the Constitution gets written. And they agree, look, we'll let you guys have slaves and we'll deal with it later. Later never comes. And they don't, they don't leave in the notes, hey, to be continued on slavery. We, we need to figure it out. They just assume since it's in the, the code, as time goes on, slavery is just legal because it's in the law books, man. Right. And the idea of secession is illegal because that's also no, no state can do blah, 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 blah. blah. So there's this whole group of people who have in a very real way what I would consider no moral compass. Oof. But they're responsible for the law, for maintaining and crafting it. And Deddy is one of these people. He is in the Democratic Party, and he's pro-slavery. And uh, Lane appointing him is pro-slavery, which brings us to what I really want to talk about here, which was slavery in Oregon and the relationship that it created. Because um, the Oregon Constitutional Convention, just to fast-track for a minute, when they finish writing it up, uh, they copy and paste, like I said, from the national constitution. They don't copy and paste the slavery provision, what they do say is no slaves and no freedmen. So, so there's no black people. Exactly. Anyone who is black uh, and left here has three years to leave or they will be lashed summarily 20 to 39 times. It's called the, the Lash Law. Now, the Lash Law does get appealed eventually, three years down the line. So, so after the first instance that it could be executed. And what this creates, for one thing... African-Americans aren't told that there's a place that has no slavery, right? Like they're not told about that part. It's very much set up to be, you get the first real virulent white supremacist in this area because they want to exclude back black people because that Jeffersonian thing where they don't think there's enough space. And part of being a temperate rainforest is really hard to farm the area. You have to cut down so many trees, change so much of the ecology, deal with so many wild animals that are just going to come in and eat it, that it's impossible for these little homesteads to really, really, really thrive. Uh, But what they do do that's, I wouldn't call it unique because some of the other territories do it, is they say it's illegal to bring slaves to the territory when they're still a territory. So before the, the convention, it's nominally illegal to have slavery. But again, because you're a territory, nobody's going around and enforcing this. So what you have is a lot of the kind of the bottom of the wealthy people in the South will bring their slaves with them before it's um, made illegal to do that. They just bring them on to the train, make them do all the work and establish their own little manners and bullshit out in wherever they do in Oregon. Ugh. After that, you start. The, the, the only reason the weird thing is we don't know when and where and and which trains because they wouldn't write down the number of slaves on the manifest of people because to go west what you what you did was you wrote out a contract of every day i will lead one cart i will make sure the oxen for everybody are watered and i'll help with dinner at night right and that's in your contract you don't include slaves in that contract you have your slaves do it for you, but you don't like... And subjugation is just a grift to get out of work. Like, that's just... it's Anyway, so at first it's that way, but you'll get notices of, like, a, a, a black person. They don't say it that way, but a black person died today or, or something like that in diaries, but we have no no concrete clue or evidence of who and what. As it becomes illegal, what you start doing is you hide away your slaves. You make them ride inside the the... Cart with all the crap around them, and hope none of your supplies crush them to death on this two thousand mile journey. There's no shock enforcers on these things, right? Oh. On those, on those. Uh, why am I blanking on the word of the thing that go the carriages that go across? There's no shock absorbers, and there's no like comfort. There's no padding, so it's two thousand miles of being in the tumble dryer. Mm. And that's if you're allowed to be free-ish. There's a lot of stories of people just being put into boxes, drilled with holes, stuffed onto the wagon, let's go. You come out at night to breathe and to break down my camp, but that's it.
1: Oh my God.
0: Now, in that gray area between no slaves allowed and no no, no official state constitution, a lot of what happens is you don't tell your slaves that there are no slaves. If anyone asks you, say, oh yeah, they're just my hired blacks. Or you lie to your people, You you your people, you lie to your, what you think of as your property. And you say, hey, we'll free you after you help me establish a homestead. Uh, and,
1: and that's such a vague marker. I'm and, like, it's not established enough. You can always say it's not fully established.
0: And freedom is also a very vague marker because, cool, now go live in the forest, bro. Or you're free, but free just means I get to kill you now. Like, so we have no concrete evidence for a lot of what went on. And the ramification of that, like the, the, the so there's secret slaves all over the place, right? Like plantations set up in Oregon. And because people are trying to escape the South, they, there's no, there's also no social mores for what's going on in these plantations. Like it's real horror show shit as far as Like I'm not going to go into details because that's not what we're here for. I want to explain what it is and explain a little bit more and then talk about the impact. But because they're not here, they're not recorded, so they're not counted. So any number of things can be done to you in addition to just being sold back to somebody for slavery or murdered or worse. Or you're kept as like a domestic partner, air quotes, and then your kids are you just try to whiten them up. Like, there's, it's all kinds of gross shit.
1: Oh, my God.
0: So, and, and a so little... Mad. little So, Deddy ends up um, writing out these laws. He's not the sole person that writ- wrote out these laws. But he also ends up being the person that passes judgment on them when things happen. It's like when you're playing a game with a kid and you make up the rules as you go along. You can do that. And the problem is, because you have no moral freaking compass... All you care about is your definition and idea of right or wrong. The further issue is because he's filled in that vacuum that looks like upward mobility, he feels an obligation to help other poor whites, right? Um, so he starts the Multnomah County Library. like he's, he's one of the founders. He starts Oregon, the University of Oregon, and that's part of why he gets a hall okay. named out of it. He eventually does switch to the Republican Party when the Civil War breaks out. In fact, a fun little side tidbit, Joseph Lane, the guy that recommends him for all these positions, ended up running against Lincoln as the vice president on a ticket against Lincoln for pro-slavery. Like, to bring, like, slavery for you and for you and for Mm. you. Uh, Doesn't go well. Doesn't, doesn't, and kind of retires in shame because... The the anti slave states are anti slave because, like I said, you're stealing white people jobs, and so if you're promising a slavery, what you're really promising is to these assholes oppression to more white people. Yeah. Okay.
1: Um. Question: Lane was the VP for Douglas.
0: The other guy. He didn't. He he was Democrat for the or the the vice president for the Democratic ticket, and then was
1: Douglas a Republican?
0: Uh, I I don't I don't think he was I think he was a Whig if I if I remember okay right. but but either way Lane moves back to Oregon after all this
1: oh really
0: yep and he keeps his slaves until seventeen or eighteen seventy eight wow.
1: wow 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 extra
0: extra extra cool little tidbit the Civil War which ended with the Emancipation Emancipation procl- Proclamation <laughs> Emancipation Proclamation uh, stopped in
1: 1865 mm.
0: which meant there was a good 12 to 13 years where the guy who Lane County is known is named after held, was
1: still owning slaves.
0: Yeah, so so fun thing there. And that's actually kind of where I want to bring a close to our episode today. Like like this is meandering towards the end right here. Okay. Which is the impact of that is that Lane County exist and it's named after this dude who had slaves for 13 years and part of the issue with flashback to our previous episode with diocletian part of the issue with that his style of divine sovereignty is that it's power by association as opposed to direct power so the big thing the big difference that diocletian did by saying god sent me here as opposed to i am god is that, that that authority also trickles down. If I I can't make a sub-god, but I can make a sub-voice for the voice of God. And that power works in a similar dynamic today still. So all the things Deddy and Lane did were looked up to. Deddy was considered a pillar of the community. When he dies in 1893, it's a big deal. He's, he's been the only presiding judge. Uh, he's also been touring up and down the coast as a judge on the circuit court. Uh, before that. So he has a reputation like down in San Francisco and stuff.
1: People know this guy.
0: Yeah. And again, though he is, and he's, and he's in that morally gray area of, I don't think it's gray, but that messed up area of pro-slavery, anti-secession because it's against the law. But the laws are these things that haven't been fixed from, in Deddy's case, not even 50 years ago. If he's born in 1824 and America's founded founded in 1776 it's only been around 50 years but it's tradition by then that we do these things i want to speak to some of the impacts of the of the exclusion laws right oregon right now our population is 3% african american according to like google search nationally african american black people account for 13% of the population so we have 10% less population-wise, than the national average because of the history of these people establishing these things. And I'm I'm not doing justice to the crimes committed against uh, black people. I think it'll be—I don't want to glamorize the bullshit. Like, I don't want to talk about lynchings and whatnot because there's better resources for that.
1: Hey, if it makes you feel better, Montana's population of black people is 0.6%.
0: Yes, but Montana doesn't try to sell itself as a progressive, oh, forward-thinking no. political hate like No,
1: I know what you mean, but I just was curious because I was like, what is the yeah. percentage? Because like, moving to Portland, I heard a lot of people talk about how white Portland is. And I was like, I'm from Montana. This is super not white.
0: They, I, I, I know I said I wasn't going to talk about lynchings, but they would do an extra messed up thing here where they wouldn't kill you. So they would they would take you through all of the trials of a lynching. The, the but leave beating, you alive. And then but they would still hang you just just enough that you could stand there and choke and be like, Well we didn't kill you. Goodbye. Like and and, and the amount of trauma that inflicts yeah. on people. Oh yeah. The other messed up part to me, sub note, is that it inflicts trauma on the people doing it. Because you decide that's fine, but
1: You're dehumanizing yourself in doing things. As you like do that. so,
0: right? So in addition to that that uh part of what Besides all of that violence, it's also codified into the law. It's it's written into it. In fact, America, or America creates the Fifteenth Amendment following uh, the Civil War, which enfranchises, fran- gives the right to vote to all black men. Oregon doesn't. Oregon says, "Nah, we're going to opt out of that one," and we don't ratify it until eighteen fifty nine or nineteen fifty nine. Sorry, so we don't ratify the. F- 15th Amendment, the thing that gives black people the right to vote, until not even a lifetime before my lifetime.
1: That's so bananas.
0: The language in the Constitution was written to be white supremacists and racist. So, like, no non-whites, no blah, 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 people of Asian descent. That language wasn't changed until 2001. And it only got changed through a considerable campaign, which had a considerable counter-campaign, because people were like, this is our heritage, man.
1: Is that heritage to be proud of, though? Like, that's just, that's so confusing to me. Uh, it's our heritage to exclude people from participating in our society.
0: It's it's just, and, and that's why I wanted us to think about, you know, before I get to the wrap-up, um, I would like to recommend Walada Emisha uh, has a video called Oregon Black History Timeline that goes really into depth. It's very accessible. Um, she has multiple versions of it because she seems to Uh, She rightly so, I think, uh, believes that the more information is available to people, the more likely they are to take it in. Yeah, Uh, And she did a lot of work to uncovering all of these things about, I didn't know about the secret slaves. I didn't know, like I, I knew uh, as a resident, I knew that we had had the exclusion laws and I had suspected we had sundown towns, but Lane County was a sundown county until God knows when. It might still be to a certain degree. You know yeah, I mean?
1: it might not be official. But, well, because, I mean, there's still tons of sun- – there are still sundown towns from my understanding. Yeah,
0: and like – and and Oregon has a reputation as the little south uh, or, or the northern south. Sorry, I said that backwards. The northern south with the rest of the country, especially people out east where they're like, yeah, we're racist, but we're not like Oregon racist.
1: Which is really rich for anybody to say we're not this kind of racist. Because if you're racist, it doesn't fucking matter. Like, that's one of the things that's really frustrating about Oregon racism. Is that I'll hear people say, well, yeah, it's not overt. And I'm like, maybe not everywhere, but it's definitely overt in some places. And on top of that, it's pretty insidious to give off this impression of being.
0: In, in her book, Isabella Wilkerson uh, has a book called Cast. And she talks about um, America's style of racism as caste system, and um, one of the points that I think she makes very well is that that sort of violence only works if people don't say or do anything. So if we sit by as white people and let other white people do that less overt racism, we're allowing that overall white supremacy to continue. Yep. Because we're 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 justifying. Exactly. So kind of the, 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 the thing I wanted to end on, like our, our closing arguments, as it were, the reason this mattered to me. So I saw this article with Matthew Deddy in the Wikipedia year and a half ago, and it's kind of just always been at the back of my mind. Shortly after that, uh, my dad died. And my a little while ago, my stepsister and I were talking about it, and she sent me a picture. And my dad is buried uh, in a jacket that has a Don't Tread on Me patch, a Confederate flag patch, And a United States flag patch. Oh my gosh. Like, my dad was like, I'm going to be as, I'm going to triple down on the racism. Another thing of note is he, he had experienced near-death experiences before this. He didn't take care of himself very much, uh, so very well when he was younger. So he had close calls with death, which means he had to talk to his wife, be like, when you bury me, put me in the good jacket like not 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 my enterprise not my uniform from when i served on the enterprise with the navy not our wedding tuxedo the the jacket that makes me look like a piece of shit and the reason pat didn't talk to me for 25 odd years
1: oh my god
0: i'm racist and i know that because i'm in a white supremacist system now i'm actively trying to not be a white supremacist I'm actively trying to be not racist I'm trying to, or, or, or abolish racism as much as I can. I'm actively trying to be an accomplice as much as I can, more than an ally. I want to help not root from the sidelines. And the reason I wanted us to think about how culture influences tradition and how law and justice aren't the same uh, with Deddy's story is because those those native tribes are still around, like we said. They still exist. They're living people Mm -hmm. they may have had a genocide committed against them but that doesn't erase them Uh, same thing with the slaves that arrived here just because Oregon excluded them didn't stop the black lives from existing here that did exist and part of the reason they were able to do that was that they formed cultures part of the reason they were able to survive like an onslaught of whites is because they were willing to adjust and change their cultures to do what they needed to survive to make it so they can't follow through with a lot of their old traditions but that doesn't change America tried to outlaw the potlucks right so big Native American gatherings where they'd get together and give things away and do religious ceremonies we outlawed them in the early 1900s and told them no more you guys can't do that because they're a great way to sow political dissent like it's (laughs) a bunch of you sitting around in a tent eventually you're gonna stop talking about spirits start talking about how to take us off of your land in the when I was doing the research for the cost of convenience in the 1960s this white guy stumbled upon records about potlutches right and it's like holy crap they used to be this whole thing that blah 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 meanwhile native people are like no we just didn't do it in front of you like yeah just
1: you just weren't invited
0: my notion of being recyclable is being willing to be as flexible culturally and to focus on the idea of justice and righteousness because for his time and place matthew Deddy was right like he he was right to say slavery is legal it was legal it was on the papers that was the right thing but it was not like the righteous thing to do and i guess that's kind of like i i know some of these are more cohesive as i do them and some of them are more like here's just this idea and all these thoughts around it But I think with Deddy in particular, that's really what I wanted to say is, like, he's not an idea of a person being recyclable. He's an idea of a person trying to find a better place in the shit pile instead of kicking it over. I don't know. Yeah. Like I told you, I didn't have a strong closer, but I knew.
1: Well, and I wanted to bring up that right now in um, Newburgh School District there was a teacher who decided to show up to school in blackface to prote- protest uh, the vaccine mandate as well as, like, the mask mandate. And then there's also stories about students in Newburgh schools creating a virtual slave trade of other black students. So it's white students using Snapchat to pretend to sell black students to each other. So, the and the reason I bring this up is that These kids, the the kids, kids didn't stumble on being racist. That teacher didn't stumble on being racist. This is a community that was built originally to be exceptionally racist and not enough has been done to dismantle that.
0: It's, it becomes normalized and it becomes, you become desensitized to the awfulness of it. Because one of the things I meant to bring up talking about my dad is as a kid, I would hear him say racist things and know that was wrong. But not, but it's a hard disconnect when you're like, well, dad, my, my divine sovereign, right, <laughs> is, is this way. So it must be the right way to be. And the other reason I wanted to get as many uh, perspectives on Oregon in this era, uh, Native American, white, and African American, is because I have, this is actually kind of the real closer. I have this belief when it comes to history, which is it didn't happen to them. It happened to us. In a very real way, in a way that's not trying to erase the identities of the Native or Black people and what they went through or their ancestry. They're still sort of our ancestors, right? So the history that happened to them could have happened to us, but by chance. Same way the history that happened to the Native Americans could have happened to us, but by chance. And so when I see stories like this, I don't see this as a thing one people did to another people. I tend to think of this as this messed up thing that lots of people did to each other. Because if those poor whites had realized, like those middle class whites had realized, like, we just want a place to live and be and we don't need to be racist about it. They could have occupied space with the Native Americans very comfortably. If they had... I'm getting fantastical there. (laughs) But I just mean, it happened to us. It's It's not the Indians were genocided. No, our Native ancestors ancestors at least native to this place were genocided as a consequence of actions of our other ancestors the caucasian assholes <laughs>
1: right. right
0: like and that's not again that's not to erase the identity of native or african or uh, african-american people it's just to say when i look at history if i want to be as empathetic as possible i can't think of that as something that happened to other people and that's also part of why i end up keeping as kind of i don't i don't think i'm the best but as broad Broader view, and as I, why I try to be as much of an accomplice as possible. I guess. Yeah.
1: I mean, to piggyback off that just a little bit, like all these different types of history. Because, like, you can look at history from through a feminist lens. You can look at history through a worker's lens. You can look at history through a military lens. There are all these different ways that you can look at history. The more you broaden that, and the more that you learn to empathize with those experiences, the more you're going to learn about cause and effect and see things in motion and notice that problems are occurring. You know, like that we have thousands, if tens of thousands of children in cages along borders in America. We had 14,000 Haitian refugees underneath a who, a bridge. Who were attacked by men with whips. Yeah. They weren't whips. Okay. It was a split horse lead. Okay. It's oh. not a whip. It's just a length of leather. It's not a whip. You,
0: and you have Jesus to. Jesus fucking yeah, yeah. Christ. Yeah. No. I.
1: But so like it. You were right in saying like it's, it's weird not, how my
0: dad wasn't in the room, but he was in the you're room. Right, you're <laughs> welcome.
1: No, but it's like it's not selfish. It's not erasure to empathize with that experience and take it as your own experience as well.
0: Especially because we've sorry. Especially to me because we have forced them to, to do it. You know what I mean? With our school system. We yeah. Don't, we don't teach, you know, uh, I I didn't hear about the Modoc war, war until I was researching about Oregon's history because I was like, oh, I better, I wonder what the native environment was up to when Deddy showed up.
1: Oh, yeah. Right?
0: And that war went on just a little bit after him because of laws that Oregon put into place.
1: Well, and that's a really good instinct to have. And Unfortunately, we've lived in an education like we lived in a country with an education system that didn't doesn't see the value of it because they're looking from this perspective of we have erased those people as much as possible. We don't need to talk about them, and it comes with every, any marginalized group in America. We aren't interested in telling their story because it's their story. Because collectively, we can't accept that all our stories matter. Yeah,
0: we we are bad at nuance. I will I will actually finish on a quote, Walida. Emirisha, the lady who did the Oregon Black History Timeline, has a really had a quote that I, I appreciate about history, and she says is It's not a straight line. It's not a progressive march. It's a spiral if we're lucky, and a circle if we're not. And we kind of have seen that with our last two episodes, in that there are so much similarities between what Diocletian was going through, right, and and what life in his empire was like at the time. And what life was like in America in in the 18th. And
1: is like in yeah. America in a lot of ways as well.
0: And I want to add to her quote, and that it will continue to be a circle, or we can spiral out of it, but only if we're aware of which direction we're going and what side of history we're on. So, yeah. So thanks everybody. Check out the Patreon.
1: Thank you. Have a wonderful day, evening, weekend, holiday. Whenever you're listening to this, you know? Just thank you. Gracias.
0: Alright, I'm gonna pee again.
1: <laughs> mm, you're keeping that part in.
0: No, oh, me.
1: I'm peeing! <coughs>